<sighs> Today on Locked on Mariners, the host does his damnedest to try to be gracious after his team is no hit for the second time in two weeks. Welcome to Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here's your host, D.C. Lundberg. Well, King, what can I say? At least the M's are not the only team to get no-hit twice this season. That counts for something, I suppose. Welcome to Locked On Mariners. I am D.C. Lundberg, your somewhat frustrated host for the morning. Uh, this is Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I lost my place there for just a second. Please remember to download, rate, and follow this program on whichever podcasting app that you personally care to use. Ask your smart device to play Locked On Mariners podcast or any program here on the Locked On Podcast Network. So simple to do. Just say, hey, smart device, play Locked On Mariners podcast, play Locked On anything podcast. Probably play Locked On Kraken podcast come the uh, regular season. What am I talking about? Uh, This episode is definitely going to be on the short side this morning, or at least the first segment is going to run short. About the best thing that can be said about last night's game is that it was under three hours. Spencer Turnbull did not allow a hit to the Seattle Mariners and walked only two. Jared Kelnick in the fourth inning and Jose Marmalejos leading off the ninth inning that drew the two bases on balls. Mr. Turnbull struck out nine, including, including Telegram Sam Haggerty and Mitch Hanniger in the ninth. Manager's strikeout ended the game. And he was keeping the ball on the ground, too. Twelve outs were recorded on ground balls, including a force play hit into by Kelnick in the ninth inning. Twelve strikeouts... Pardon me, 12 ground outs and 9 strikeouts. That leaves just 6 outs, which were recorded on balls hit in the air. That is a recipe for success, ladies and gentlemen. But I'm honestly having trouble figuring out if Mr. Turnbull was that good last night, or if the Mariners were just that bad. Maybe it's a combination. From what I saw on the TV coverage, Mr. Turnbull looked somewhat gettable. I'm not saying that the M's had an opportunity to open up a can of whoop-ass and drive him out of the game in the fourth inning. I'm saying that his stuff was the type of stuff against which you can typically scratch out a hit here and there, and the M's just didn't do that. He looked good, don't get me wrong. Also, to be fair, I had to listen to the second half of the ballgame on the radio, so maybe I'm missing something. I'm not quite sure. The M's came close to a hit in the seventh inning. Mitch Hanniger hit a hot shot to uh, Jamie uh, Candelario. His name is another one I have trouble with. Not necessarily Candelario, but the first the first name. Anyways, Candelario is their third baseman, and he made a spectacular play to keep the no-hitter alive. It was a very low line drive that hit the ground and skipped up toward Candelario's head. He stayed with it, he snared it, and made the throw to first base. Very impressive. That play right there is why they call third base the hot corner. But in essence, that was it for the Mariners. Like Mr. Mize the previous night, Mr. Turnbull utilized a variety of pitches to put the Mariners away. He recorded ground outs on five different pitches. His four-seamer, his change, his curveball, his sinker, and his slider. And recorded strikeouts with three, his four-seamer, slider, and curve. He used all of his pitches very effectively. I don't know what else I can say, gang. It is frustrating, especially against a pitcher who didn't appear to be overly dominant. But maybe that 
makes him as good as he can be. A pitcher has a better chance at success if he uses his entire arsenal and mixes it up and also keeps the ball on the ground more often than not. None of the 12 groundouts snuck through for base hits. And while Turnbull certainly was good, I cannot help but wonder whether or not he'd been able to have gotten this no-hitter if he were facing a team other than the Mariners. Again, it wasn't the overly dominant performance like we saw out of John Means when he no-hit the Mariners. He looked like he had no-hit stuff. He looked untouchable. Mr. Turnbull looked somewhat touchable, but not, not greatly so. I'll talk about the Mariners' pitching performance uh, here in a bit, but first the trivia corner. Yesterday, May 18th, was the anniversary of a former Mariner becoming the oldest pitcher to pitch a perfect game. Oh my gosh, now who would that be? I'll tell you after this word from Wealthfront. Investing can be rather complicated, ladies and gentlemen. Whether you are a beginner or whether you've been investing since the beginning of time, Wealthfront makes it easy. They have the right tools for every portfolio, including yours. Wealthfront can create a portfolio port, port, portfolio, my goodness, of globally diversified, low-cost index funds personalized just for you in a matter of minutes. No manual trades, no picking stocks, no watching the stock market every day, although you can continue to do that if it interests you like it interests me, even though my investments are are meager, they automatically handle all the investing based on the preferences that you control. Wealthfront can even help lower the taxes that you pay as you invest. Hmm. For the average client, their tax loss harvesting can more than cover the low annual 0.25% advisory fee. I'll also note that that's the first time I said that without having to do more than one take. Best of all, it's automatic. Wealthfront is uh, trusted with over $20 billion of assets. That's almost $20 billion and $1. And you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to wealthfront.com slash locked on MLB. All you need to get started is $500. Grow your wealth the easy way and let Wealthfront do the work for you. To get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to wealthfront.com slash locked on MLB. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash locked on MLB to start growing your savings. Go to wealthfront.com slash locked on MLB and get started to Day. Answer to perhaps the easiest trivia question in Locked On Mariners history. Yes, Randy Johnson, 40 year old Randy Johnson, on May 18, 2004, threw a perfect game versus the Atlanta Braves, becoming the oldest pitcher to do so in a 2 0 victory for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Coming up, what else can I say about Luis Torrens that I haven't said already? How about Blurk Blurk Blex Magoo? Now this word from Built Bar, and it's time to play Guess the Language. Built Bar je proteinski bar s najboljom degustacijom na tržištu. Oni su bogata proteinima i vlaknima, a istovremeno imaju malo kalorija i šećera. Bez glutena su... A sorte bez oraha proizvode se u pogonu bez orašastih plodova. What language was that, gang? How about Croatian? That Croatian gentleman said, Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. They're high in protein and fiber, while also being low in sh- uh, sh- calories and sugar. They're gluten-free, and the nut-free varieties are all produced in a nut-free facility. Or at least I, I hope that's what he said. Go on over to BeltBar.com and place an order. You can order their variety box or put together a box of the three flavors that most intrigue you. Like coconut almond, salted caramel, and shoe polish. 
If you use promo code LOCKED15 at checkout, you'll get 15% off your order. LOCKED15, you see? BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order of the best history of pro... Oh, shoot. Now back to Locked On Mariners and your host, D.C. Lundberg. Apologies to Built Bar Corporate for the end of the uh, advertisement that I just uh, failed to get through. Justin Dunn was on the mound for the Mariners last night. Uh, His main issue this season has been the base on balls. Uh, But they were also noting on the TV broadcast in in pregame that it's not just simply the walks that's gotten him. It's that he's gotten into a lot of deep counts, a lot of three ball counts. So I decided to keep an eye on it and see when he'd get to a three-ball count for the first time. And it was the second batter of the third inning, Robbie Grossman, who walked. Dunn actually had a very good first inning with the exception of one pitch to Jimir Candelario. Still can't say his name. It was a fastball in the middle of the zone that was jacked for a home run. Uh, Dunn threw only threw 11 pitches in that first inning and 13 in the second. He was looking like he was going to put together an efficient day. Then the third inning is where his pitch count went way up, needing 21 to get through the inning. He threw seven pitches to Grossman before putting him on base, and he later scored on an RBI groundout from Miguel Cabrera. Also in that inning, Luis Torrens had another defensive miscue, which led to a wild pitch. I'll talk about that later. Back to Dunn, though, and the fourth inning also was not kind to his pitch count. Nomar Mazzara had a 10-pitch at-bat. It ended in a strikeout, and Harold Castro had an 8-pitch at-bat, which ended with a base hit. While both men did foul off a lot of pitches, they also both wound up in full counts. Dunn winds up throwing 94 pitches in five and two-thirds innings, gives up five hits, two runs, both of them earned, two walks, a home run. He struck out a career-high nine, however. Despite the high pitch count in relatively few innings, I think he was effective. That one pitch to Candelario in the first, and there was a ground ball single in the third hit by Jonathan Scope, which pushed Grossman all on to second base, who later scored. Uh, It was a semi-slow roller along the uh, third baseline with Kyle Seager playing back. It was very close to the foul line. All Seager could do was just kind of watch it and hope that it went foul. It did not. Uh, scope reached. Then that wild pitch I mentioned, which sent Grossman to third. He had been advanced to second on that gra- on that single, and then Grossman later scored. Those were the only two runs that Justin Dunn gave up. Granted, one of them was a mistake pitch, but uh, Grossman's uh, run was kind of led to by some bad luck on Scope's base hit. Drew Steckenrider pitched one and a third innings and was impressive once again. He's very quietly putting together a very good season out of the bullpen. I noted on Monday's show that he's really had just the one bad outing, his first outing of the year. He's been excellent since then. Paul Seawald and Brady Lale also pitched an inning apiece and co- collectively gave up three more runs. Why can't I talk? Bringing the score to 5 nothing Until the top of the eighth, it still felt as if the game were very much within reach as the M's were down just 2 nothing. Even after the eighth, where it was 3 nothing, still felt like the Mariners could come back, but then when the Tigers scored two off Lale in the ninth, it just felt over. Going back to that wild pitch in the third. Yes, I'm going to pile on Luis Torrens again. I'm sick of his defense, ladies and gentlemen. It is not good. It was another wild pitch that could have been scored a passed ball. 
Dunn threw a curveball in the dirt behind the plate, and Torrens, who was catching on one knee again with a man on base, or two men on base, really, just kind of stuck his glove down, really didn't make too much effort to block it. The ball skipped away, and the runners who were on first and second both moved up 90 feet. Dan Wilson was commentating on TV at the time, and I'm, I'm really glad that he was. He made a point that I made the last on this show the last time Torrens let a pitch get away. He noted that with balls in the dirt, you have to try to get on top of it, stick your chest protector over the ball so it gets knocked down in front of you rather than try to glove the ball and risk it going away. He also made the point that balls in the dirt take unpredict- unpredictable hops. I have to get my tongue untied. Where the, ball, where the bounce off the chest protector is much easier to control. And from what I can discern, the fact that Torrens was down on one knee hinders his ability to get on top of such balls in the dirt. Sooner or later, it's going to get into the pitcher's head that he cannot block balls in the dirt well. He has to be getting a poor reputation as a defensive catcher. If you are a pitcher, you have to have confidence in that man behind the plate to be able to block a pitch in the dirt. It can get into a pitcher's head, and if he's going to throw a low breaking ball or splitter or, or sinker or something of that, to that effect, and if he's got in the back of his mind, don't throw it in the dirt, he could hang it instead, leaving it high enough to get clobbered for extra bases. You got a guy like Dan Wilson back there, and the pitcher is not afraid at all to throw one in the dirt, knowing that there's a very good chance that it'll get blocked. After last night's game, Torrens has been behind the plate for 14 wild pitches, but no passed balls. That's in 190 and two-thirds innings. Tom Murphy, on the other hand, in 182 innings, Five wild pitches and one pass ball. That cannot be a coincidence, ladies and gentlemen. I did some math to see how those numbers compare to the average Major League catcher this season. Coming into yesterday, the average Major League catcher is allowing 0.50 wild pitches and pass balls every nine innings. The number last year was slightly better, 0.47 wild pitches and pass balls per nine innings. Murphy's ahead of the game. His number is 0.30 wild pitches and pass balls every nine, and Torrens is at 0.66 per nine innings. So he is somewhat worse than the average catcher, while Murphy is quite a bit better. I know neither of them are hitting right now, and that Murphy does most of his damage against lefties, but sooner or later, Torrens' poor defense is going to start costing him playing time, or at least it should. Remember, Scott Service was a catcher himself. I'm guessing that it's got to be a little bit more frustrating for him than it would be for the average manager just because of that. And with Cal Raleigh breathing down Torrens' neck in AAA, and there's been talk of him getting called up this year, Torrens had better get his act together. Have you got a question or a comment for the show, such as DC Relax? If you do, send it to LockedOnMariners at gmail.com and we'll address it on the air in a future mailbag segment. We're doing one on Friday this week, ladies and gentlemen. Questions and comments on any subject are welcome and encouraged. It need not be about baseball. It need not be about sports. Coming up, who's pitching for the Tigers tonight? Oh, it's a guy with an ERA over five. So if the Mariners do as poorly tonight as they did last night, I will eh, complain about it on tomorrow's show. 
But now this from Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Major League Baseball is in full swing, and you can uh, check out all, track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC slash MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest info. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts, promo code locked on. Welcome back to Locked On Mariners. Here once again is your host, D.C. Lundberg. Thank you very much, Joey Martin, and thank you to those of you out there in podcast land for sticking around. The last time the M's were no-hit, I rattled off a bunch of no-hitter trivia on this program, and doing so again would just be repeating the same facts I listed two weeks ago. But the Mariners created some new trivia last night, so yay for that? Maybe? No? No, no. This was the fifth no-hitter of the season already. The record is seven, which has been done in three different seasons. We may very well have seven by the mid-season break this year. We've already got five, and it's not even Memorial Day. The Mariners, yes, have been no-hit twice, but they've got company. Cleveland has also been no-hit twice. Now, you may be asking yourself, has there ever been a season prior to this in which two teams were no-hit twice? And the answer to that question would be yes, it has happened before. In 2015, the Mets and Dodgers were both no-hit twice. Both of those teams advanced to the postseason that year, with the Mets beating the Dodgers in the National League Division Series, and the Mets lost to in the World Series. So if the Indians and Mariners follow precedent, there's one of your American League Division Series matchups, gang, and the winner of that particular series will go on to lose the fall Classic. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Neither of those teams are playoff bound. I'm happy that the Mariners did not become the first team to be one of two in a particular season to be no hit. But, you know, the season is young, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe the Indians and Mariners will both get no hit three times. Oh, my goodness. I sincerely hope not. That episode of this program is going to suck, ladies and gentlemen. I may have Clive Braithwaite, the fourth guest, host it so I don't have to. Or maybe I'll just rerun a classic World Series recap from the offseason. Pitching tonight for the Tigers is Tarek Skubal. He attended Seattle University, though he went to high school in Arizona and was born in Hayward, California, named, interestingly enough, after Jason Hayward. He struggled by and large this season. He'll be making his seventh start and will be appearing in his ninth game. He's walked a lot of hitters, 4.6 in nine innings. Not a good ratio. That could work in the Mariners' favor. And he's also given up a league-leading 11 home runs. The Mariners have been relying on the long ball to score their runs by and large. That may also bode well for the M's. Opposing him will be Logan Gilbert, making his second big league start. I thought he looked very impressive in his first major league outing, even though the numbers may not have bared that out. It wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but a good first effort. Well, gang, that's it. I don't want to talk about last night's game anymore. I told you it would be a short episode. Tomorrow, we will be recapping tonight's game. And joining me to talk about that game will be Robert Petrie, 
Curious George, and a roll of painter's tape. You will not want to miss that one, gang. That's a great panel. So download, rate, and follow Locked On Mariners so you never miss an episode. Look for us on any podcasting app that springs into your brain head. Leave a rating and review if your podcasting app of choice so allows. Thanks for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Let's hope the M's can salvage the last game of the series. They've scored one run in two games against a team with one of the worst earned run averages in baseball. That's got to change, right? Uh, We'll find out together tonight. In the meantime, have a great day. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski will keep you updated on the latest news in every major sport with Locked On's team of local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. This is Joey Martin speaking for Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.